Welcome to another episode of Collective Conversations. I am excited to have Zach Sloan, the co-founder, and I saw two different titles, so maybe you can unpack this for me. Uh, Chief Sales Influencer at Rent Grata is the one I chose. But Zach, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. Uh, and yeah, I dubbed myself Chief Sales Influencer. Um, I guess that's one of the perks of being a co-founder is you could just roll with whatever you want. And if the people are cool with it, then let's roll. That's right. And you're a pretty cool guy. So I think you can pick a cool title for a cool guy. So <laughs> I, I try. Out. I mean, I am wearing a McLaren shirt on this. So I think that's pretty cool compared to a blue button up. You look so great over there, though, Mike. Thanks. You're <laughs> yeah. Your shirt is much cooler than mine. I would prefer to be wearing that T-shirt. So. <laughs> Works well, of working from home, right? <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. Uh, well, I got, I got to tell you, I, I, I am excited to have you on this show. I know through a series of fits and starts, we tried to get this on the calendar. And I know you you have a very busy schedule, I think probably way more busy than mine. But uh, I'm I'm really uh, excited about the conversation we're going to have about you, about Rick Grata. And I hope to talk a little bit about the, the future uh, and AI and things like that. So why don't you start by just telling our audience a little bit about yourself, a little bit about Rick Grata and whatever's on your mind. Yeah, and I actually think the timing of this is great as we kind of unpack the episode of some things that happened at RentGrata over the last couple months and then um, just, you know, a lot of maturity as the company grows and everything. So uh, a little about myself. Um, I am Zach Sloan, one of the co-founders at RentGrata. Uh, I did not come from a multifamily background at all. Um, for a lot of people that do know me and don't know the story, it would probably surprise you to know that uh, I am a CPA. Uh, so I was an accountant undergrad for accounting, grad school for accounting, worked at Ernst & Young for four years, um, and then went from the traditional route from Ernst & Young to startup co-founder in real estate. So definitely was very green. And actually, it's funny, the person that really introduced us, Mike, was Lisa Trozine. And so a lot of great advisors and people have helped Rentgrad along the way and kind of me particularly understand what this business is about and how we could really take the idea of people searching for apartments would love to get that real inside scoop of what it's like to live there. And the residents at a community would love to tap into their referral program a little bit more easily. And it's just a shame that we can't make it a little bit more accessible for both parties to get what they're looking for. And that was the idea is I missed a referral, thought about it, and then Sam, Ben, and I put our heads together and don't know if you want me to spend the time on how we all kind of got together, but it is an interesting story. Yes, please. Okay. So I'll try and sum it up pretty brief here. Uh, I was raised in Sarasota, Florida, as was Sam, uh, one of the co-founders. And uh, we did not like each other because we were both males in the same neighborhood that went to different schools. So of course, we did not like each other. Of course. Good reason. <laughs> Fast forward, I was working at Ernst & Young in Chicago. And then at a holiday party, someone from Sarasota came up to me and said, hey, do you know that Sam is moving from Colorado to Chicago to work at Ernst & Young as well? Like, you two should become friends. And we were like, nah, maybe. Like, I don't think I need another friend in Chicago. But we buried the hatchet, went out, uh, shared some stories and became really good friends. And then while we were both at Ernst & Young, when I missed that referral, I went to him at the time, um, really because two things. A, he was a 
really big idea person himself. And he always thought about like these entrepreneurial ventures and B, I had no clue where to start. Like I just wasn't entrepreneurial. And a lot of you that might know like who I am and my personality today uh, really was a 180 from where I was at at the time. So Sam had mentioned he knew someone uh, from college that worked at AIMCO on the West Coast. Uh, and so we got on, I think it was GoToMeeting at that time, or Uber conference, one of those. And I know it shows how long we've been talking about right. this idea, right? <laughs> Zoom wasn't a thing. And it was about nine central every night of the weekday that we'd get on about seven Pacific when Ben would get home from work. Uh, we do about, you know, hour or two a night. And then all of a sudden it was just like, Hey, this might actually have legs. Like, let's do this. So then Ben quit his job, uh, moved to Chicago from California. And then, uh, we all eventually became roommates, lived in the same place, uh, ate a lot of RX bars because they would let us, they would give them to us to hand out at resident events. So we did have our fair share of them. Uh, we made some like RX bar sandwiches, whatever would make it taste better. And yeah, we moved out from one another, of course, like end of February, 2020. So we made the decision to spend money on getting our own places right before something called COVID happened and we all should have just stayed together. So we have not been roommates for a while. And then Sam and I actually just moved down to Tampa, separate places, same apartment community though. And then Ben went to Denver. So we're not really a Chicago-based company anymore. We're pretty spread all over the country. Yeah, it's it's interesting that same thing, you know, that you mentioned about COVID probably accelerated the pace of change as it relates to being able to be a part and still function as as a business, right? That's that's been helpful in a way for all the downsides of COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for for when it comes to like a business standpoint of kind of being able to operate it has we've all learned to just adapt really like we needed to. Uh, when it comes to being able to work with your team members across, like whether it's Uber or an Uber conference, excuse me, or Zoom, uh, there's a lot of different ways that you just need to learn to communicate and collaborate. Um, and I know that we use a lot of technologies that I don't even know the half of them that our engineering team is using when it comes to like tracking the progress of the different things. I know we just started using Figma and like there's a lot of different cool opportunities for your teams to collaborate. Um, but from afar. And so that's what made the decision easier when everyone was looking to return to offices, just to say, we've done well enough without it. And we have had opportunities to get together as a team here in Tampa. We usually get together once a week with the teammates we have here. And then um, Ben and another couple of teammates actually flew down a couple of weeks ago for us to have like three or four days of just, just a lot of meeting and bouncing things off of one another. And I think when you have those moments, you remember how impactful it was to be together, um, but you just make the best of it now when you have that limited time together. So, so I'm, I'm interested. I, I hope I can articulate this question in a good way I, because I grapple with this. So I'm interested in how you think about this. So we, we are a complete remote company now. Racco Residential is 100% remote. The investment side of our shop is still in an office that I'm sitting in the office today, but the residential component of our company is completely remote. But we bring people in at least once a quarter, everybody together in a room because there, there is a different energy about being in person. To your point, you have a memorable thing, but is there, in your mind, in your experience, is there just a completely different dynamic that happens in person versus 
over Zoom? A hundred percent. And I think the best way for me to answer that was a poll question I saw. And I, I probably was on LinkedIn because that's really the only place I go on the web on the web these days. But it was like very basic. It said, okay, wherever company you work, you found out there's a competitor out there that's starting to just do exactly what you do. And which one of these would scare you the most is that they're all remote they hybrid workplace or they're all together in the same office creating this company. And it was like, which one would scare you the most? And to me, I was like all together in the office because I think that that's the most productive. But then when you take that answer and then you use it for your own company, you're like, wait, 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 I kind of like the hybrid or I kind of like the flexibility. So I do truly think that there is a lot of validity to like being together in the point that um, those like one-off moments, like right now you and I are talking over the computer um, with like this very, uh, we have a schedule kind of, we have things that we're talking about and there's not like that one-off moment where we're just offline where I'm like, Hey Mike, what do you think about this idea? Or like, Whoa, like you're collaborating or you're at, you know, getting food at lunch and you're just like, wait, wouldn't that be an interesting idea for us? So I think that you miss a lot. And I do think that if you like privately polled people and said, this won't impact you actually coming into the office, but do you think you're more productive in the office? Yes or no? I think overwhelmingly the people would say, yes, the office does. But we've fallen into a little bit of this comfort of like, I don't want to have to put clothes on and do all these things, go in and see people and the rigidity of like, I need to sit in an office until x time because they're sitting in the office until x time and especially as a salesperson like my hours fluctuate so dang much that sometimes it is nice to be able to say like hey it's noon on a you know friday i'm gonna go take an hour lunch break and sit by the pool because i know that i'm making it up at other times so it's just a very nice flexibility we have but i think being in the office certainly does help the business go further yeah i i'm I'm 100% with you on that. We we just had a meeting last week where we brought everybody in, and and it's interesting to me. There there certainly is a an energy and uh, some incredibly productive outcomes when when the group is together doing mindshare. But it but it's I think you implied just a second ago there are these moments when you're at lunch or at the water cooler or it could be anywhere, right? It's not in the formal setting of a meeting that this just something happens. There's a little catalyst, there's a little response. And then all of a sudden you have some mind share and you've got these, like something you just wouldn't have had in a group or even over zoom. So there's, there are all these little neat dynamics of being in person that, that I think yield good ideas. It's yeah, those, good. those are hard to, they're not like quantifiable, right? You can't say, let's sit in this conference room and talk about this idea and, and we'll talk for 30 minutes and the meeting ends and we'll get it done in that 30 minute mark. It is maybe, you know, walking to Starbucks or whatever it is to get the coffee. I know that we're both coffee people. Uh, I get my fair share of coffees uh, and it is that little lightning in a bottle moment. Um, so yeah, it is, it is great. And that's why I think we're a little bit, uh, we benefit at Rent Grotto because Two of the co-founders live in the same city right now. And then two, um, one of our sales individuals, Chantel, and then our director of client success, Carly, um, they're both in Tampa as well. So the four of us have the opportunity to get together pretty often. And we somewhat represent most of like the business side of Rent Grata. So 
we are able to get a decent amount of that what if conversations on the table together. That makes sense. I, I want to back up a second. Um, I can't remember exactly where you said this, but I, I want to unpack it a little bit. You you missed uh, a referral fee, and that was in my head the seed that got this thing started. So unpack what rent grata is because it it's related to that, right? You missed this this uh, referral fee. So I, I just for our audience, sort yeah. of unpack what exactly that is. <laughs> I skipped over that little detail, right, of what we actually do. That's right. <laughs> so the idea of like missing that referral was the sense that, yes, like I saw someone that moved into my community and they didn't know I lived there. And this is probably pretty common to anyone not using RentGrata today is like they needed to write my name down before they went on a tour and they were using Yardi and it didn't get logged. And then they use all these different things. And it was like, why is this so difficult for me as a resident to help friends move in? And then also from a friend's standpoint that wants to move in, why are you making the prospect be on their heels? Like you didn't fill it out the right way. We're not paying out. And then like everyone is kind of arguing over what should be a good feeling, right? Like you're getting a new lease with someone that already knows someone in the community. So when we really looked at this, we thought what we wanted with Rent Grotto was a way for prospective renters to chat with current residents of a community that have signed up to be ambassadors to answer questions about their experience. And the stark difference between Rent Grata and the current referral program is really there's a couple. Like first we plug into your property management software and CRM. So it's very easy for this to be tracked, um, updated automatically. And second, like the resident doesn't need to necessarily know who the prospect is in order for those people to chat. So the traditional referral program might be limited to like, you're lucky if you're getting one referral a month per property. And I'd say on average, you're probably getting one a quarter at a property. And you're like, okay, how can we get more of these? Because they convert so well. Let's bump the referral amount up from 300 to 500 or 500 to 1,000. And I mean, it's a good effort, but it's not really solving the problem because let's face it, like no one is going to their local gym and like stapling things in the bulletin board. Like, <laughs> here's my QR code, like chat with me about my community and I'll refer you on paper, like very different than what we're trying to accomplish. And so what we've created is a chat widget that lives on a website where that website traffic can then communicate with those residents that have opted in. But as I alluded to earlier, I think one of the reasons that this timing of this conversation works out really well is as a company, a lot of the feedback we've received from our clients are, um, great, you're helping me leverage my website traffic, but what about every other lead that's not on my website? Like, what about all the leads that might be contacting us different ways and maybe go on the website to do another task and not message a resident? So we're plugging in to the community software to actually kind of proactively message the prospect and say, hey, I'm a resident at this community. I'm Zach. I live at this community. Do you want to chat with me? And then the prospect is like, yeah, I want to respond to you because you're like reaching out to me as an ambassador of the community. And that's increased the number of conversations that we've had on RentGrata by about 5x per community. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so so it's been it's been really like a game changer when we could go to current clients and say like, do you want to get the current conversion rate you're seeing about 
25 to 30% of your prospects that chat move in? Do you want to have that go from only this many leads to this many leads and get that many more leases from it? And then, so that's been big for current, for perspective, and then also old clients that maybe their complaint was, hey, we're not getting enough usage from you. Like the money we're spending isn't going far enough, so we need to cut back. And now we're able to say, well, now it's going much further and we could track those leads from their initial lead source. So we're able to see how this ILS's leads are performing after they chat with a resident or that Google campaign or your website. And then with that, we're kind of going down even further and with the AI companies we're partnering with, uh, specifically like Meet Elise, we have a great relationship with where you're able to plug in a chat with a resident and kind of understand that prospects want the opportunity to chat with a resident and just putting it on the website for one time isn't really enough to get that value proposition. One touch point, any marketer is going to say that's not enough, right? So having it on the website one time isn't really enough, but getting it in front of those prospects at different points in their journey, maybe after they go in on a tour, hitting them with it, saying, do you have more questions about the experience here? Chat with one of our residents. So there's a lot of opportunity. And I think as a company, it takes some companies a different amount of time to find that true product market fit. And with this new release, we're calling it Neighbor Nurture. It's been able to really assist with our customers with what they were looking for from Rancrata. So, so I'm curious with the, the Meet Elise uh, plugin, uh, and if I describe that wrong, certainly correct me, but so Meet Elise would actually hand off to a resident. And then is there sort of a, a hand back to Meet Elise to get to keep the, the lead going? Is that yeah, it's, it's, how that works? <laughs> it's kind of a handoff, but almost it's working like two separate worlds at the same time. Right. So, so like the Meta Lease experience is happening on its own. And then Meta Lease would introduce the Rencrata experience. And then you're start, you're sort of working this prospect from different angles. And I think, you know, not putting words in their mouth there, but then also thinking to the future state of like a, a question that might be popular with someone that has a dog is like, well, what is the pet policy? Right. That's a great question for Meta Lease or AI to answer. But what is it like to have a dog at this community is a great question for Rankrata or a resident to help you answer. But together, those two questions can be 100% answered to the best of the ability. And the prospect feels like they got A to Z, right? But right now, you're mostly answering in a silo. And if you're not using AI and you're not using Rankrata, it's like, how long is it going to take someone maybe from the leasing community to get back to them, to show them like whatever, wherever the numbers are of like, oh, this is what the weight is for the dog, whatever it may be. So the combination between AI and a resident is getting people the answers they're looking for, but also very fast. Um, our average response time for any question, night, weekend, holiday is 14 minutes. And you would think like that's incredible. And it is because we've been on demos like just right now where someone would go on a website and then I'd be like, okay, they're clearly multitasking and they'd hold their phone up and be like, wait, this is an AI. They already messaged me back. Like this is a real resident. And I'm like, yes, you know, it is so easy because it's text message based where a resident could just respond really quickly. It's private numbers. Um, and that's, I think where we see like that AI, it's a complementary feature to what we're doing, 
where AI and Rankrata can really help solve the problem of just not having enough on-site staff or centralization and getting kind of this idea of like prospects could get answers to their questions at 10 p.m. at night, just as well as they could have five years ago um, at, you know, 3 p.m. during the day when the leasing team is in the office. And I'd probably argue it's still better today at 10 p.m. than it would be three years ago or whatever at 3 p.m. Yeah, that makes sense. It, the way that translated, translates in my head is that your AI is really there for the, I'll, I'm going to throw it in a bucket called transactions. There, it's there for the transactional data, path-based data. Rick Grot is more like this experiential, emotional component of living in a community, right? So like the dog thing, for example, like, yeah, my, the green space for my dog is, you know, down three flights of stairs or a rel- an elevator ride and it's across the street or it's wherever. And by the way, there's like 35 people that hang out there every morning or every mm-hmm. afternoon at five. It, it's that, is that basically yeah, and how? Then, and then it, it goes like, you know, if there's a, maybe a concierge at the community, they mention them by name and they say they have dog treats at the front. And then like, there are, there are so many little things. And I think like, if you throw resident events at a community, residents are talking about that. And then prospects are like, I had no clue that those were going on there. Like that's a really cool selling feature. So I think there's just like so many of those gaps that aren't being filled. And as much as, you know, people listening or anyone out there could say like, oh, I have Google reviews to talk about these things. Like they don't, right? Google reviews aren't covering all the topics. Google reviews, as you could probably see, they're splattered everywhere between five star, one star. Do they live here? Don't they live here? Did they just get an eviction notice and they just went on a one star? I actually just had a conversation with someone that was a speaker at AIM and he's very, very bright. I love talking to him. And he was saying that when you look at the trends of their Google reviews, it always is like, and I'm probably going to butcher exactly what it was, but 60 days before their highest renewal point was when their Google reviews went the lowest. And it was because of the increases that they were putting on the rates. And it was just like, so let me get this straight. And that was always the highest leasing time too for prospective renters. So at a time when most prospects are going to be looking at your newest reviews, you're getting the worst reviews from people that aren't talking about their living experience. They're talking about their rent increases even though they don't necessarily have any difference between yesterday and today, they're just going down in Google reviews. So I think the idea that like there's information out there for prospective renters to get is a little bit naive to the fact that like prospective renters have a million different questions and you can never truly answer it with static Google reviews. And when you think you've answered it, something's going to change at the community and it's always going to continue updating. And Google reviews don't cover change in management, change in ownership, replacing a community manager, all those different types of things that just need to constantly be updated and can't change unless you're getting feedback in real time. So, so it comes to mind that, or my imagination tells me from time to time, an ambassador has a bad experience and how do you, which I think is fair to talk about how, how do you sort of solve for that? Or what is your, what is the thought process as it relates to an ambassador potentially saying, think about moving out because of, you know, so, such and such happening. Yeah. Is I that- mean, honestly, that's like the number one probably question we get on a sales pitch. So 
I should be able to answer this one. Really? If not, I think I need to get send the AI in to answer this one. <laughs> my chief sales influencer title is gone if I can't do this one. So really, it's like a couple of things. First, a lot of those people that have that bad experience, they do go to the aforementioned Google and Yelp to get that instant gratification of like, don't live here. It's the worst experience ever. And so that's where signing up for Rank Rata does have a little bit of friction in there because you can't just like sign up and start ruining people's taste in the community. You have to sign up. You have to wait for someone to actually engage with you. And then it's siloed in this one-on-one -on -one conversation. And for nearly all of our communities, there's an opportunity to make a referral reward at the end of the tunnel, like by having this conversation. So you're literally taking time to dissuade someone while your interest might be monetary to say, you know, I'm throwing away the opportunity to make money. So that's one. Second of all, we do have sentiment analysis that's tracking all these conversations. So we're able to see, are there residents that are being, you know, overly negative about their experience and just like completely turning people away. And it's within our terms of use to have the ability to remove someone if they're just using this to be spiteful. But having said that, the interesting thing is, is that there are a lot of conversations that do touch on negative things. And whether it's a prospect saying, I've read reviews about maybe there was something in the news. Maybe there was a, a bad review about parking, like guest parking. Hey, everyone gets towed if you have guest parking. So a prospect might ask, hey, do you have towing issues? And then a resident might say, you know what? We do have towing issues, but those people are actually parking in the fire lane. So like, don't park in the fire lane and you're okay. And so sometimes the sentiment will say, well, that was a negative, but then you look and you actually start to dissect the conversations and you're like, well, it actually helped the prospect overcome maybe something that they were concerned about. Or if the, um, like in Tampa here or in DC, if your apartment community is near like a stadium, uh, traffic concerns. Oh, I never want to live downtown because it's near Washington Nationals or you know, downtown San Diego, whatever it may be. But then if you say, I've lived here for years, never really had a traffic issue. You just have to really watch what game times are and, you know, be smart about it. Otherwise, it's not that big of a deal. You just alleviated a big concern. So even if there's the opportunity for negativity to happen, we're always seeing the residents kind of err on the side of positive. And it almost has like this correlation between the worst Google reviews that you have, the, the most more you need something like Rentgrata because there's going to be more skepticism um, about like living there. And then on the flip side, almost if you're too good, then it's like, okay, what are they doing to these reviews? Like they're gamifying them somehow. I don't believe these reviews. And then you'll see prospects say like, you know, in this situation, if we're doing a chat, it's like, honestly, Mike, Tell me, give me the real answer. What's your experience been like? And then you answer me and I feel better because I use those adjectives and like words, but in reality, you're telling me what you're going to tell me, but it just touches on a different tone from the residents and it gets those residents that want to be community ambassadors to sign up. I, I imagine too, I, I was just thinking if I'm sitting in the seat of property manager I have these ambassadors who are utilizing this sort of conduit between between me and prospect or potential move-in. I may want to know, and the ambassador is probably more inclined to come down and tell me about 
things that aren't going well in the community, right? Sometimes people just keep that to themselves. They move out. They never tell the property manager and that, you know, the team can't make it better. But I imagine an ambassador is really incentivized, not just for the piece you're, you're creating, but to make sure that the experience of the community is something they can be proud of and talk about. So they're going to come tell me about problems, right? Yeah. And, and there's things that are inside of our sentiment analysis that we do help. Like I remember um, our team looked at, there are some things about parking um, and then they were going to redo the lines on the parking lot. And it was something that was in the future. And based on the conversations, they were like, this is an, op- this is an opportunity for us to move it up because prospects are keeping to ask questions about it. And residents are like, oh, I know it's coming because they've talked about it. But if it's that big of a prospect issue, then why not tackle it sooner? Because clearly that's something that maybe looks, you know, that you're reading about and that might impact your decision. So 100%, like there's an opportunity for improvement. And I think the people that look at Rent Grata as like a, oh, whoa, I don't know if I want my residents communicating. I think that that's like, well, they're already out there doing it, right? Like they're, they're already out there. So you're late to the game if you're worried about that. And this is an opportunity for you to kind of get ahead of it, understand what they're saying, get some people on your behalf. Because if you're just sitting there and I see things like at AIM about like, oh, you need to respond to your reviews and all that stuff, which there's nothing wrong with that. I totally agree. But just because the owner responded to a one-star review doesn't make me feel like that one-star review is less true. So like, great, you addressed it in a timely manner, but I still think that the walls are paper thin and I'm not going to move in there because of it. So like, that's it. And so I, I think like, we need to adjust our barometer of where we think conversations and communities. Like I'm actually, I'm thinking about, I need to make the post actually on LinkedIn about it, but I'm in a Tampa twenties and thirties group. Like it's just, you know, people talking about moving in and stuff. The number of times I see a person say, I'm thinking about moving into this community. Does anyone know about it is, is like mind boggling because it's happening out there. And then people are starting to message. I know someone tagging people and it's like, you don't know. I mean, we're in these multifamily groups and we go to multifamily conferences and I don't know how many people are in like a Facebook group for Tampa, you know, certain age group and seeing that this is happening out there and you don't have any control over it. But had you known that you're like, this is a great opportunity for us to tackle this problem because it's clearly out there. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I I want to take a bit of a right turn. You mentioned AIM. There was, while that was two weeks ago, last week. Mm-hmm. Two two. Weeks so I didn't get to go to AIM, but I was watching all the LinkedIn feedback as it was coming in. And, and I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he made, he made a remark on stage that AI didn't have the ability to do, you know, get it was Scott Weston from UDR, the CTO. I'll, I'll, yeah. I won't forget. Okay. I got it. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. So I was, he, he made a kind of a, blanket definitive statement that I didn't think was necessarily hundred percent true. And in my head, a data rich environment, like a rent grata, right? You're, you're collecting the most incredible data in, in my opinion, that any platform aside from maybe a CRM, but even the CRM doesn't really have this rent grata uh, nature to it, it. At least in my opinion, incredibly rich data set, when married together with a very powerful AI can really do just the opposite of what that gentleman had suggested. 
And I'm curious your your thought. And even one of your team members, I think, took some data and did a very neat thing with it. And I'm wondering if you can just unpack that whole thing for me. I'm very curious your thoughts. Yeah, no, uh, it's funny because you might think that I'm like a chat GPT person. I've never even went to the website, never done it once. Uh, I'm like, I'm so literally anti-tech, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> that's awesome. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> yeah, right? I know that's going to be the headline, the title for the whole thing. I mean, <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting. Like aim, I think I saw maybe seven of the sessions involved like AI or whatever it may be. And it was certainly the buzzword. And I think I'm just, I'm not qualified enough, honestly, to speak on exactly what chat GPT can and can't do. I think one of the main pieces of information I'm seeing from people is that we're just misusing it, honestly. Like a lot of people are going to it and typing in a question and just getting something back and then pasting it. And I don't know that we're using it to the best of our abilities, but I think with AI as a whole, and this isn't solving your right turn question, but I think with AI as a whole, the um, reliance on it and like just removing the human factor does have its pitfalls and downsides. Uh, because I, I know actually Sam, my colleague, when he went on just like a, a straight up virtual and AI tour, um, or excuse me, self-guided tour with some kind of AI and virtual in there, it was just, there's there's a lot of things that aren't worked out completely well yet. And so there's a need for us to, I think, just pump the brakes slightly um, and make sure that we're using it properly and understanding exactly what the game plan is and not just kind of jumping on the bandwagon because everyone's doing it. I mean, there are a lot of companies in our industry that are certainly solving for it very well um, and like having it part of kind of their master game plan. And I think what's interesting is the what's next after centralization and AI are implemented, um, because that's a lot of the conversations that are kind of coming back to us in a way, in the sense that you have these residents, right? And you have this Uber pool of knowledge at your community and like, what are they doing? And what can we have them help us with? Where right now, if you have the centralized leasing team and you're removing kind of that on-site local level knowledge, let's rely on them to do something for us and let's get their kind of, let's put them to work essentially. So not completely the answer, uh, because again, like I, I don't, I don't want to sit here and just start saying things and have people listen and just be like, this guy's completely off base. Um, but I think it is just one of those things where chat GPT, like, just be careful out there with how you're using it and what you're leaning on, because I think there's a lot of potential for misuse. Yeah. I, I think, you know, it's, I love technology and I, I, I try to become a practitioner of it so that I at least have a working understanding of it, even though I don't understand the back back office, so to speak, of any technology. But on the practical side and how one interacts with it, I try to try to get in there and use it so that I can at least have a working understanding and a working opinion about it. So I, I do think you're hundred percent right. We're we're super early innings, right? Like like the first guy standing up in the batter's box hasn't even stepped to the plate to take a pitch yet. That's where we're at, I think, in, in the AI game or chat GPT specifically. 
But I do think, I do think that at some point that technology can take a data set like a, like a rent gratis data set and <clears throat> extrapolate some pretty neat uh, action items for, for lack yeah. of a way to put it, right? That one could employ to just increase an experience to a level that's just, we can't even think about today because we just yeah, we, we process that kind of data set. A while ago, similar-ish vein, but we were thinking, because some of the feedback we would get from potential clients, not current, is I'm worried about my message, my brand, all that stuff. Like I want a more controlled resident. So we were like, why don't we just find a way to make like a chat bot out of resident feedback and like responses uh, and all that stuff. Yeah. But then like we were thinking we're losing our vision. Like that isn't what Rentgrata is anymore because then you're just creating like another version of a chat bot and just not getting that fresh content, not getting that real like this conversation feels different than if you were just like having a conversation without me on the screen. And, and so actually I think about that too, where I was kind of joking, but like at aim, instead of having a sales demo from me, like you need to talk to the AI thing. Like, don't talk to me, ask your questions to the AI and then they'll respond to you. And then when you're maybe ready, like maybe a human will come in to get the agreement signed from you. Uh, but like, there's, there's that level of, no, I want a human. Like I'm calling customer service. Like, no, I want, I want someone to talk to me about my problems, dang it. Like, I don't want someone to, an AI. So it is like, it is a fine line. I think everyone needs to, to look out for. Like when you do, next time you call customer service, like don't hit zero, just go through the AI and see how long, how long it takes you because you're going to understand that and maybe like, okay, we can't rely on it too, too much here. Yeah. I, it's, it's not developed. I mean, who knows? It's, it seems like going back, the, one of the very first remarks you made in this this call here or this interview is you were using GoToMeeting before Zoom was a thing, and and then made a like a flip remark about how that might kind of discern how long you've been in business or how old you are or whatever. But but if you really think about that, right, the distance between GoToMeeting and Zoom was really like just probably a couple of years, right? And so technology advanced at a pretty rapid rate. Now let's come to today. The exponential change of the rate of change right now is like so off the charts. There, there is no backlit comparison anymore, right? You can't look back six months and apply that same pace of change to the next six months because mm -hmm. it's just flying now. And so the point I'm trying to get to is I think that there will be a day where we can have sort of an AI sort of engagement. But in my head, it's like AI to AI engagement. And then those two co-pilots are going to come back to you, Zach, me, Mike, and say, hey, you guys should right, narrow your focus to this. I, I, from some rumblings, I've heard that there are some search tools out there that are going to do a little bit better job of kind of finding the right apartment for you based on those types of things. And I, I think it makes sense, right? Like going to and ILS and typing in Tampa and just seeing like, you know, how whoever pays the most first and then scroll down and it doesn't make sense, honestly. Like we we haven't really evolved that space in a long time. And, you know, not to get any enemies from saying these things, but like putting some little plugins and whatever on the same listing, like it's still the same. And honestly, it's not differentiating the community enough. Like I always look at some of the ones that have like a stark contrast. Like if you have co-living, if you have flexible living, if you allow Airbnb, 
your listing picture and name doesn't mean anything compared to the person above you or below you. So your value prop is completely lost on that listing. And why are you spending $1,000, $2,000 to be the first one when you're going to, whatever it may be. So I think that like the opportunity to search smarter and then be able to, and to your point and kind of where we want to eventually go to is like, if you're looking for a three bedroom and you're a dog owner and you're a remote worker, like find the right place for you and then be connected with literally that same person that lives at that community that's in the same floor plan as you. You could ask those questions and you could go on that virtual tour, whatever it is. And then like your apartment search process became that much more frictionless um, and efficient. And then with some of the things going on with like applying online and all those things, like it really can be that buying on Amazon type feel of like, I could go, I can get the right product that I'm looking for. I could start getting the information that I'm looking for. I could add it to my cart. I could do all these things and I can like become a smarter shopper. And like from your standpoint on, you know, the multifamily side, the owner side, whatever side you're looking at it from, like efficiency is good. Making a quicker decision requires less advertising potentially. And we've seen this one, which is a really cool stat that we're digging in on more is the actual move-in date for prospects that chat with a resident is always sooner than anticipated. So whether it's on their guest card through an ILS or a guest card through us, when they're having chats with rank of residents, they're actually moving in sooner. And it's kind of like a thesis that we've always been looking at, but we're actually starting to like work on with our clients and say, okay, so we're having less market time, but also less days that this avail this unit is available and on the market and you're getting paid on it. So it is like a mass efficiency effect. And I think the one last thing I'd say, especially as we talk about AIMS, since it is so recent, a lot of the companies there have been around now for a long time of like, everyone seems to be a couple of years old, at least, which is interesting because you had all that flood of prop tech money. And then the ideas now, I think a lot of the new ideas are somewhat spoken for. I mean, obviously there's always innovation, but now we're getting a lot of like spinoffs of similar concepts where self-guided tours were like very, very new X years ago. And now you're getting, we do self-guided tours, but this way, but that way, but that way. And so it is interesting because I think we're all maturing. And then the decisions that you all are making are a little bit more like knowledgeable because you have enough education from each of the companies to understand not only what they're offering, but like what that specific company is offering to you. Yeah, I, I think that's right. It's on that note, it's, it's in my head. I think I'm going into my 30th year in this business and I've never been more excited about the landscape as it relates to, you know, companies out there serving the multifamily ownership space. It's just, uh, it's fascinating and super exciting. And I can't like the next 18 to 36 months, I think you're just going to get even more exciting. So on that note, and maybe to kind of tie up here, NAA is coming up. You're famous for like, you know, I think I saw you as William Wallace one time where you dressed <laughs> up as a seventies guy. Like, is, do you have any antics ready for uh, NAA? <laughs> oh, I, I wish I could say no. And I actually do. I don't, it's just, it's tough. These conferences, especially this, turn like switch from aim to naa 
So you're just, I, AIM was amazing as much as, you know, sometimes it's difficult for us to uh, quantify the ROI of some of these um, conferences that we're going to and the amount of times you might see similar people at each of them. You're like, I just saw them three weeks ago at a conference, but it's like, as soon as we're trying to tie up agreements and get launched with some of these AIM companies, it's like, oh, you need to send invites to NAA. So I will admit that I am very, very far behind on my NAA emails. The only thing I've done is create one email template and the subject line is from beachy to peachy. So. Oh, I got it. I get it. I see what you did there. (laughs) So that's it. But I love, I, you know, it's funny, those costumes and events and everything. It's fun. I think that I've been able to find just like an authentic voice in this industry. And I appreciate everyone out there, like going with it almost where it's awesome. (laughs) Everyone is just like super encouraging again, kind of, kind of tying it back to the beginning of this, like coming from another industry. I remember the first time I met you, it was at Optech um, in Orlando. And the first people I met at that whole conference, I was so green. I went to like the lunchtime and I thought they were going to have lunch and they didn't. So I went and sat at the bar I asked these two women, I was like, can I sit next to you? Um, it turned out to be uh, Carly White and Heather Wallace, who I'd still talk to and see like at every conference. And uh, I was like, can I sit here, please? And they were nice. They offered me like chips and guac. And then I remember our first meeting too. Um, at those who, everyone knows you, I was looking like this the whole time. I was standing up. But, uh, but no, it's been, um, it's been a really fun ride. I will keep you posted if I have any we actually have a really cool T-shirt, though. I should say, should I, should I sneak peek the T-shirt? You should. Yes. All right, hold on. <laughs> hold on. This is uh, you're getting a, a glimpse at what's going on in Rentgrata. So we have a. I need to obviously wash it. We have a Simpsons T-shirt <laughs> with Rentgrata people on it. So yeah, we That's have. Cool. Yeah, so I love it. So, so yeah, we're uh, we it's our aim costume. So the '70s one, I'm all done up. But um, yeah, we we have a good time. I think that there's just like we think of random things. Uh, we had a concert T-shirt like last year, and now we have the Simpsons one. So I guess I should have thought about that when you asked me. But yes, we have that T-shirt. That's it. I'm not dressing as a Simpsons character. I'm not going yellow or anything. <laughs> but but I draw the line at the T-shirt. That's the fun stuff. Well, I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. So, well, I I, uh, I want to wrap up here. I really appreciate you investing some time with our with our podcast. It, it's deeply meaningful to me, and I mean that. And I'd love to. I'm actually setting up the podcast at NAA with Mike Whaling's group. So, love. We're doing like ten to fifteen minute clips of just like real time observations. So, I'd love to have you just stop by and just. If you if you have time, I know you're there for business. I, I'd love that. I'll wear the Simpsons shirt. It's that it's gonna be on. So, <laughs> so fantastic. Just let yeah. me know when and where, and I will be there rocking that thing. I'll even maybe put my hair down. Let's get crazy, Mike. <laughs> I promise to sit down so we can like see eye to eye. Please, <laughs> yeah, for, for please do that because otherwise my neck will be craned up. Yeah. I'll be the same the whole conference. That'd be awesome. All right. Well, well, we'll wrap here. Is there anything you'd like to leave our audience with or a place they can get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more about Rent Grotto or you? 
Yeah, just rentgrata.com or Zach, Z-A-C-H, at rentgrata.com. Send me an email. Um, LinkedIn, obviously, I'm pretty active there. But otherwise, no, no notes. Uh, Mike, really appreciate you having me on. It means a lot to be on these types of episodes that, um, you know, it's just an honor for me to be in this position and represent Rent Grata to everyone that's working hard and doesn't get to do these podcasts and everything. So uh, couldn't do it without all their help and everything, especially the engineers. Um, so <laughs> thank you, everyone. And, and Mike, thank you a lot. Appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. And for everybody else, we'll see you next time on Collective Conversations. <laughs>